Bij Burger King gebeuren spannende dingen. Wat dacht je van een classic cheeseburger, chicken nugget burger of sundae voor maar 1 euro per stuk? En dat is nog niet alles. Alle King deals zijn maar 1 euro. Haal ze nu alleen bij Burger King. Hello everybody, welcome to this week's Royal Blue podcast. Now, we've got a bit of an injury crisis this week. Uh, I, won't, uh, I won't try and, and pull the wall over your eyes. It's just me and Scotty. Uh, Greg O'Keefe, Tony Scott... Phil Kirkbride is otherwise engaged, and Gavin Buckland is, as he would rather uh, describe to me, swigging on a pint of San Miguel, yeah. thinking about wondering whether why we signed Mo Besic. <laughs> He's on his uh, on his jollies and having a good time abroad. So you stuck with us too uh, for this week's podcast. We haven't had the chance yet to reflect on Wednesday's bit of a non-event of a friendly uh, for Wayne Rooney's testimonial, uh, nor have we discussed transfers or the relative lack of them. We've also got some shout-outs and questions from yourselves on Twitter uh, after Tony tweeted earlier for your suggested topic, so we'll get into them in a minute. But we'll start with talking about, well, Wednesday, I think. Um, a disappointing game in many respects. A clean sheet, which is uh, an indication maybe of how Kuman wants to play when he goes to face the you know the um, the more talented, bigger sides away from home, perhaps. But so you watched the game. What did you make of it? I thought it was refreshing to see an Everton team that wanted to defend. The guards of the goal well, the putting bodies on the line, they were getting men behind the ball. A sort of a kind of an Italian philosophy where you really love and want to defend and stop stop any kind of cross and goal that came in. So that was refreshing to see that the team seem more organised. That was pleasing to see. But as an attacking threat, we didn't we didn't muster up anything really. Obviously, Lukaku had a great one, great chance in the uh, in the half, but he should have buried it. Apart from that, we didn't have too much joy in the attack and third. What would you put that down to, Greg? Would... I, d- I think part of it was the um, the formation, mate. I think when you when you want to play um, with five at the back, mm. you've got to have a striker who can hold the ball up. And for me, Lukaku, he's improved that last mm. season at times. Yeah. But it's never been one of his biggest strengths. And um, I think he was suffering from a... And this isn't my gang, I've got to say Prenos, but an acute attitude strain again on Wednesday. Yeah. He, he didn't look like he, he wanted to know for me. Uh, and subsequently, he wasn't really... He wasn't getting the best service anyway, yeah. to be fair. It was often like clearances which were hoofed towards him. Uh, but he didn't look interested in sprinting onto them too much. And just generally speaking, he didn't really give their back four a particularly hard time. Um, De La Feu, as we've said... I was just going to touch on this. De La Feu was interesting. The, it, well... Given he's had a really good pre-season, I don't know what went, what went wrong. I gave him a three in the ratings on mm. Wednesday. Um, look, whether you agree with football journalists rating yeah. professional footballers, it's something that we have to do. Uh, and there you go. I, I thought he was abysmal. One player who's coming for extreme criticism under pre-season, and especially on Wednesday night against Manchester United, was James McCarthy. Now, it looks to me, this is just my opinion, that... He, he looks a goner under Ronald Koeman. He's just chasing shadows. Yeah. He's, not too, he's nothing giving you not, nothing on the ball as well as off it. Now, can you see him mustering any kinds of plans under I, Ronald Koeman? Do you know what I think with James? I think he is suffering from a bit... This is just my opinion, from a, a crisis of confidence. I think Gareth Barry is a bit, well, a lot more veteran of a campaigner, seasoned, has been there, seen it, done it, had his place written off numerous times, whether it's for club or country. I think James is suffering from the amount of speculation over central midfielders and, and from the clear indication that Koeman wants to buy central mm. midfielders. And I think that's going to get in your head. James is, is kind of... He's not... Uh, maybe... He's a quiet lad. He's mm. not one who's, who's maybe blessed with the swagger 
and the ridiculous self-belief mm. and combine that with the fact that this is the first time he's playing under a new manager for a long time we've yeah. touched on it in the last podcast mm. and whereas Martinez would probably one of his strengths if you like in some ways as a man manager would be that he'll make individuals if he liked you yeah. feel like a million dollars I think Koeman's not like that I don't think Koeman goes around massaging egos and telling players that the best thing since sliced bread so McCarthy's having to get used to a totally different way of being managed and the added threat that he, you know, it seems as if his position is very much one that is up for grabs. And I think you can see that in his performance. The flip side of that, though, Greg, if there's a new manager coming in, surely his game will have to go up a notch. I think he's trying. So I think, I think he's trying, and he's trying too hard. Maybe contrast what we've seen pre-season to how he played against Norwich, mm. which was a bit better, wasn't it? Yeah. It Joe is. Royal and Nunzi pushed him up further yeah. up the pitch. I'm never, you know, is he ever going to be like a top class centre midfielder, box to box, you know, good in, the, in their final third? Not in that respect, no. Mm. He was good at what he did under Martinez. He had a very specific remit. Under Martinez, that's gone now. Do you think it's playing in his mind of a Drisha guy is basically going to be a shoe in? Cumin signs him, and it's just going to be another. It could be, obviously, it's not going to be um, Bessic now. It could be Gibson, Cleverly, Barry. Yeah. I do. I think so. It, there's, another, there's just one position to play for now. I do. I think the arrival of just a gay will have added to the, the, his woes, if you like. Um, and I, t- I just think that unfortunately that's obviously gotten into his head, and he just isn't himself. He's just not. He's lacking the, um, I don't know, the dynamic kind of mm. like, like I say, he's never been one to ping a you know wonderful forty yard pass, or very rarely anyway. But even the crisp short passing, and, and he's still getting about the pitch. But mm. a couple of times on Wednesday night, he was it was bobbling around. He wasn't quite getting contact with the ball, and it just wasn't going for him. And I, I think a lot of that's psychological. It's just talking on, on touching on the Gay. What we've seen the stats that they're up there with the very best in the Premier League last season in, in terms of interceptions, winning the ball back, t- getting tackles in, etc. Is he going to be a shoe in permanently for Everton next season, Greg? Would you say? That's him. That's him in front of the back four. What will he will he bring anything else to the table? It's funny, isn't it? Because look, I, I, I can't claim to have watched them a lot for Aston Villa last season. I think I switched off from Villa after about Christmas, like most people yeah. did when they were goners. Um now, to all intents and purposes, he was their, one of their best players, if not their their best player. Uh I've seen I can only say that I've seen the usual YouTube clips and we all know what they can be like. Mm. Um I was about to say they made Nias look good, but <laughs> yeah, they, they, they didn't. actually didn't make Nias look good, ironically. He, he didn't even look good on YouTube. <laughs> so I don't want to you know, take off as if I'm the, the authority on Idrissa Gay, but from what we've seen in pre-season, I have to say, and, and Koeman's quote is very illuminating on that matter, what he brings in terms of interceptions and blocks and you know his willingness to, to get about the pitch. I think at the moment, he looks like he's a shoo-in to play a lot of games this season. What's surprising for me is that, considering how poor Aston Villa performed last season. For him to get that amount of stats, he must have been bombarded last well, season. Well, he probably was bombarded, which mm. makes sense, considering how, you know, how kind of generally how, how fragile they were. So he probably had his work cut out, but he seems like the type of player who relishes that. Mm. I think he loves that type of game. Don't forget, he could have gone back to France. Uh, Marseille were interested in him, but he decides to stay in the Premier League. Well, t- you know, to go yeah. back into the Premier League because he, he, he relishes that. And, um, you know... I, I trust Steve Walsh's judgments on this. You know, he yeah. didn't get many wrong last season, did he? Yeah. And uh, um, hopefully, he'll become 
what is you'd have to say as well a really possibly val value bargain do value you, signing do you think this may be of an ideal replacement for Kante do you think he was about this in mind for when Kante At left 100% hmm. I think he was a replacement for Kante uh, now another one who's maybe maybe isn't coming I would still say I feel he will be an Everton player is Ashley Williams you, you love Williams don't you yeah I, th I think he's absolutely nailed on for what Everton wants and needs as in a footballer on the pitching offer. I think he brings everything to the table. He's captain material. He's a real defender. He's got bodies on the line, blocks. He's, 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 he's everything what Everton aren't last season and more. I just think he's... But if Everton have to pay £15 million for him, so be it. As I've touched on several times, Liverpool have just sold a reserve player there for £15 million. It's buttons in this day and age. He's 31, 32 next month. So what? He, I, I don't care how old he is, he's performing at the highest level. Mm. And for me, he's getting better and better and better every year. You're looking at Leicester's defence last year. Everyone goes, oh, he's not good on the ball. I'm not interested. Robert Huth and Wes Morgan aren't great on the ball, yeah. but the defenders first and foremost. Yeah. And that's where you can see Ronald Koeman. His defenders last year in Font and all them types of players, they, and Van Dijk, they play football first. Give it to the players who can play football. And yeah. for me, Ashley Williams is a no-brainer. And should, Everton should be absolutely nailed on to get this lad. I, I agree, and I can see why Kuman particularly rates him because one thing I've noticed in this preseason is a bit like what you've just said. Kuman wants players to do well, basically to be defined, not not completely, but certainly to make their priority what yeah. their what their role is. If you're a defender, defend. If you're a midfielder, be a midfielder. Don't be a ten or a ten and a half. Or, be a midfielder, yeah. and if you're a striker, be a striker. And, and there's a lot to be said for that. It sounds like, you know, almost some sort of like puritanical going back to basics thing, but football in many ways is a simple game, isn't it? Mm. And if you've got a team that, that looks at things like that and doesn't overcomplicate it in a way, I think it, in a sense it might lead to a bit more of a fluid uh, team which knows its identity. Yeah. Knows the job every year. Knows the job, yeah. knows their identity. Um, do you see, sorry, just touching yeah, Williams on. again, do you see this one, as I think one of the lads mentioned it before, that when Everton sold Jolien Lescott and they brought yeah. Sylvan Distan in, do you see that kind of... Maybe, yeah. I mean, yeah. Everton don't normally sign defenders this old, do we? No, I was no, no. trying to have a look back. The years gone by, we signed Richard Goff, Alan Stubbs, David Weir, and now the Distan. But the, when you're looking at Everton's current back four, they were all bought young and would sell on value, wasn't he? Seamus Coleman, Leighton Baines, Phil Jagielka, Funes Mori, all young with good sell on value. This goes against the grain, this does And obviously, Mason Holgate, yeah. you know, Brendan Galloway, even younger, really. Yeah. Um, but do you really want to go into the game against Tottenham? With look, he hasn't put a foot wrong. If anything, he's been really impressive. But with Holgate in, in your back, well, you'd hope a back four at home against Tottenham. Not really. Mm. I mean, we might have to as it happens because times times ticking ominously on. But that's not the point. I think Williams makes sense. Another position in the back four, funnily enough, wants to ask you about, um, and we haven't even chat about this uh, generally, have we? Um, we were linked under Martinez with a right back. He wants to get Sam Byer, and obviously he chose to go to West Ham. Uh, he never really signed a right-back. Now, Tony Hibbert uh, left the club in the summer. For me, Seamus Coleman, normally, especially after what he did in the Euro, he's tremendous for his country. On his day for Everton, he's tremendous. But his day for Everton, for me, he's blowing a bit hot and cold. I don't know if this is just a period of his career where he's not sensational every week, like maybe we, we've been used to. 
Or does he need competition? Do, do we need to go and sign a right back as well? I think we do. I think we're not blessed in, in cover when it comes to the, the right back situation. We're top heavy on left backs, we're top heavy on right wingers, but we're not top heavy in when it comes to right back situations. Seamus Coleman's place in the team has probably been cemented for the best part of three or four years, really, hasn't it? He hasn't had no competition for his place, yeah, yeah. so he's probably he's getting to a could he be getting complacent? I don't know. It's come to a situation where he's guaranteed a, a start every single game. So maybe he just needs that competition. He's got, it's interesting that Tom Davis has been played there three pre-season as well. So obviously Ronald Koeman's come in mm. and he thinks, where's we cover here? And next minute he isn't one. Tony Hibbert's been released. John Joe Kenny come in and done well in the Norwich game towards the end of last season. But when you're looking for real good cover and competition for places, I think he will need to buy a right-back. And as long as if any of the centre-halves can really play there. No, this is it. No, I mean, I know Pennington can float around, maybe do a job there. But uh, And personally, I would like to see John Joe Kenny mm. give him more of an opportunity. But setting aside from that, you know, if Baines isn't on form or is injured, you know that Oviedo, you know, he's not no. a whale-beater, but he'll do a job. He'll come in and do a job. I think that's what come come unstuck for under Roberto Martin as last season. Everton went into the biggest game of the season last year with no right back. James Coleman was injured and yeah. they had to play Mo Bessis yet right back and then yeah. the inevitable just happened really. So you can't go into a season touch lucky. Well we, we did touch back. we touched yeah. lucky with Romelu Lukaku's fitness last season. Yeah. He had his form tailed off towards the end. That was always going to happen. You can't carry on through a season, especially a young lad like that. He started off great carried it on but he just he just blew out towards the end of my opinion I think Everton will need cover up front and they will need cover at right back definitely definitely well as I said earlier in the podcast you put a shout out um, before lunch for anyone who wants to ask us any questions or get any uh, topics going and what came back on Twitter there's quite a lot it, there's quite a you can sort of see where the Evertonians are coming from they're, they're beginning to get itchy feet starting to get a bit impatient they've been promising big signings marquee Signings and nothing's really materialised. I think there's a bit of deflation, isn't there? Yeah, I, you know, I believe they've only sold around um, about 10,000 tickets for tomorrow's game. Which is um, interesting. And I spoke to one of the guys before and I said, Are you going to the game against Espanyol? And he said, um, Do you know why? He said, If we would have had three or four signings, I probably would have went. He said, But um, what's the point in going and seeing you, the same you've team? You've got lads there and girls who are thinking, Well, I'm going to be there next week anyway. Yeah, against you know, They've got other responsibilities. Maybe they've got young families, old families, whatever mm-hmm. it is. Can I really justify being there to watch no new signings play with respect some relative no marks from the Liga? Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Liverpool are playing Barcelona tomorrow and then mine's on Saturday. (laughs) I'm not saying... Not no... Look, it's a a home game before the season starts and we usually need one. Hmm. And Espanyol may well surprise everyone and be a really good good test. Um, They've certainly got a good good young manager in Kike Sanchez Flores. Nonetheless, we sense this deflation so... What, what are they asking? The, first of all, Joe Winter 11 asks, with the lack of keepers being linked now, do you think we'll stick with what we've got till January at the least? Me, in my opinion, I think he will. I think he'll start with Stecklenberg and I think he'll be his number one till at least January because obviously nothing's come up in, in that time. I think he obviously fancied Schmeichel if he could, but we were gathering that Everton can't sign any Leicester players for 12 months from what we're reading into. So I think he'll start with Stecklenberg and then if anything comes up, in January, he may, he may uh, dip his nose into the transfer market. Greg, your opinion on the goalkeeper situation? Same, really, mate. I think, um, you know, Schmeichel was... Discussions were held about Schmeichel. That's before Steve Walsh came to the club. And then, obviously, you know, getting Steve Walsh in became a priority later down, down, down the way. And, you know, suggestions are that that was part of it. You know, mm. that they wouldn't then go and, 
raid Leicester's first team, which you know, from a Leicester point of view, you can understand they would want that on the table when they were allowing Steve Walsh to leave. So, uh, otherwise, you know, Everton have been offered Rui Patricio, who's not a very you know, convincing kind of candidate as a long term number one, mm. uh, albeit he's an international footballer. Do you think um, Stecklenberg will start or Robles? Difficult, you know. Um, I reckon it'll be Stecklenberg as well, mm. but. Um, he didn't give us too many clues because you know, he started against United, but then Robles played the second half. And actually, Stecklenberg's done okay. I he did. He so did Robles. So yeah. did Robles. To be fair, mm. although Stecklenberg, you know, I, I do think his commanding of his penalty area, six-yard box from crosses and set pieces, maybe nudges him a bit ahead of Robles. Yeah. I have to say, I was disappointed with his kicking. Funnily enough, yeah. I thought his distribution mm. wasn't the best, but you know, he's played in the World Cup final. A uh, bit more experience than Robles. Mm. Like you, I think he'll start the season and, and Koeman away till January. Next one from AJ Saunders. He says, can we realistically expect a big-name player in this window? In my opinion, I still think we will. I still think we'll, even if it's late on in the window, deal by one big player just to give everyone a lift. I think, uh, God knows who it'll be. It'll <laughs> be someone, it could be Wilfred Boney, it could be, it could be anyone. But, I think they will do it just to give everyone that boost that they need. We'll buy a couple of couple of players from now till next week, but I think we will sign one big player. Greg, your thoughts on that one? Yeah, call us um, eternal optimists, but I, I tend to agree with you, mate. I think they will sign a player. I'm not sure Boney would qualify as, as a real marquee to use that term signing, especially not if it was as part exchange for stones. However, I can see uh, the attraction of getting him as a, as a better support option to Lukaku than uh, Kone. But, um, yeah, more on faith than anything else. I think they sort of, you know, there's been so much noise made about getting in a big name. They might feel that uh, that as the window ticks down, it's something that they, they need to really get moving with. So I don't think, you know, it'll happen this weekend. Could be wrong. If anything, I think it'll be ever thus with the Blues. It'll be kind of transfer mm. deadline mm. night, and me and Phil will have the uh, the Americanos <laughs> on the go. The, ma- the match sticks in the eyes, and it'll be a last minute job. Fine. The next <laughs> one's from Henry Jones, who says, "At what point do we say no to Manchester City, Stoke, Chelsea regarding John Stones and Lukaku? Why the lack of potential signings? Why is it all gone quiet?" Well, Interesting one, isn't one. it? Really. Well, Chelsea haven't made a bid from Lukaku. Mm. That's the bold fact of the matter, they haven't made a bid for him. They've been posturing through the media, briefing the national press down south, uh, and you know, like the Evening Standard as well, trying to get out there that they want him. Well, if they want him that much, they're not backing it up mm. yet. And it could be a tactic from Chelsea, you know, the, the inevitable tapping up and you know, tactical preparation for a bid. They might prefer to leave it late, but they're in dodgy territory if they, if they try mm. and do that and force Everton's hand. Everton have proved to last summer that they won't be bullied by Chelsea. There's probably maybe a little bit of lingering acrimony between the two mm. boards over what happened with Stones because it, it did unsettle him. And this is going to unsettle Lukaku. It, you know, all right, maybe he'd just come back off his holidays in Dresden, but he didn't to me look like he wanted to know on Wednesday. Um, he looks to me like a player who wants to be elsewhere. Yeah. And he said as much, hasn't he? So it, the valuation of 70 million you know, that Everton are supposedly asking for him. For me, would Chelsea really pay that? It's still touching whether or not they'll lose Costa or not, or whether they'll allow him to go. They've got Batshuayi in there. Will they go and spend that sort of money on Lukaku? Give or take maybe some money that Everton still owe them from back in 2014. I don't know. I think it's getting late for Everton to lose him. I think Everton will just say no. I think Everton have played absolutely blind in the way they've gone about it by saying, if you want 
John Stones, Manchester City, 50 million or don't bother us. And the same to Chelsea. If you want Romelu Lukaku, 75 million, don't bother us until then. But what we're going to tend to happen now, we could be backing ourselves into a corner. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm contradicting myself here, but sake for argument's sake, it gets to the last day of the window and Chelsea come up and give us 75 million for Lukaku. <laughs> You've got no time and, to and replace then, And Manchester City give you 50 million for John Stones. You sort yeah. of... You back yourself in a corner, then do you know what I mean? Well, last not really, because I think Everton will turn around and just say no, it's too late. And which, then you've got an unhappy player. Well, tough. I think you know if Stones and, and let's face it, Lukaku, whose agent is one of the busier yeah. of uh, individuals. He's got other deals going on. He has it? got a few uh, irons in the fire. Pogba's going to make him a cool twenty-five million by the sounds of it. They need to they, they need to put pressure on their agents if they want out yeah. and say, look, you you best tell Chelsea City to, to hurry up. Because Everton won't be bullied and Everton won't be left in a position. Could you imagine the uproar, and rightly so, if they caved at, on, on the day before the transfer window and sold one or both mm. and didn't have time to replace them? Well, Everton aren't stupid, they're not going to do that. Interestingly, Schalke, Paul, they sent a message out to Manchester City regarding to Leroy Shane, didn't he? They said, you know, you've got a deadline, you either meet this deadline or not. And within a day, they met it. So you're kind of playing into their hands because I've seen yeah. a lot of Evertonians going, why don't you tell Chelsea or why don't you tell Manchester City? Give them a deadline and that's yeah. it. But if you give them a deadline the next minute, it doesn't happen. <laughs> and it, it, it doesn't really I work think, like that. You it? know, I think what people... I don't think Everton don't want to sell either player. You know, Kerman privately accepts that Stones wants to go and he will sell him. But there's no desire to, to get rid... They don't need the money. They need the goals of Lukaku more than the money, arguably, with Mashiri's wealth. And Stones is a slightly different story. But, but it tells you everything about John Stones is that he's actually played him in most of the pre-season And games you know what? Well. He hasn't let anyone down. Mm. He doesn't look like his mind's elsewhere because, you know, he's maybe he's been through this already mm. with Everton last summer. And I have to say, he covered himself well last summer. Mm. Um, so if, if, if Koeman starts next season with both of them on the books, then he'll be more than happy. Lukaku's attitude might need a bit of an adjustment. Well, will need a bit of an adjustment. But he'll have to get over it. Because but Ronald Koeman's the manager to kick that out of him. Yeah. When the last success would probably give his ego a nice rub. Exactly. It? And if he wants, in the long term, a move next summer, then he better get his head round mm. and start scoring goals next season for Everton. Mm. Don't forget, there's um, a World Cup qualifying, qualifying campaign on the horizon. He's got a new manager. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. To impress as well. <laughs> we'll talk about that maybe just before the end. Go on, what else people ask? Um, Matt Vickery, Robbie Buckley, they're basically frustrated. Guys. They're starting to get a bit worried, considering we need a goalkeeper, right-back cover, a centre-back, two centre midfielders and a striker to partner on. Robbie Buckley says, where's this watch? Yes, we're basically promised. 100 million was getting mentioned. That's an interesting... Frustration, frustration with the Everton Yeah, fans. that's an interesting point. I've heard someone else say to me yesterday, you know, where's the money? Almost basically saying, is it there? They were starting to yeah. worry, is this all a smokescreen? The money is there. Everton definitely, definitely got this vast financial firepower that we've never had before. Not just the broadcast money, which every club's got and gives them strength, but Mishiri is willing to really have a go here. You only have to look at the way they went and got, went and got Walsh. Mm. You know, the, the progress behind the scenes with the new stadium. Don't uh, forget Koeman's contract as well. Buying, backroom staff. Exactly. Saka Martin is in his backroom exactly, staff. Exactly, going and getting Koeman, you know, getting rid of Martin, as you're right. Um, I think the difficulty has been Everton have not really anticipated how hard it would be to do business at the top level of the market where they've been trying to, to uh, aim themselves. And the other factors, you know, look, in a perfect world, they probably would have got rid of Martinez earlier than they did after getting mm. beat by Sunderland. If they'd have got rid of him a bit earlier, maybe, for argument's sake, 
and they'd known what they were going to do. You've got Unsworth and Royal in. You can approach Cumin a bit earlier if that's what you want to do, or you can get the interview process going a bit earlier. And maybe you'd have bought yourself three more weeks for the new manager, Cumin, mm. to come in and look at his, his prospects. Now, Cumin went on holiday after he signed, so that was another week or two Likes weeks. holidays, doesn't he? Went on a few holidays, didn't <laughs> he? So, ultimately, it's just been a bit of a, it's been a, bit of a difficult window, but there's, no, there's still time yet. It's yeah. just that, you know, they certainly won't have all the business done before the, uh, before the first game, will they? Briefly rattled through a couple of these now. Um, Blaggy87 asks, when should we move on from the likes of Witzel and Koulibaly? And target more realistic signings. Are Everton still realistically trying to get these, Greg, would you say? I just think, again, I think Witzel and Koulibaly will, will end up, whatever happens with them, it'll be late late in the window. Mm. And Everton will stay, unless something better or something more um, viable comes up in the meantime that ticks all the boxes Cumin wants, they may as well keep their hand in on that yeah. and just see what happens. Because whether they come tomorrow or whether they come right on the 1st of September, 2nd of September... There'll still be great additions to the squad, particularly yeah. Bally in our opinion. Yeah. And obviously, Vitzel's yeah, yeah. a good player as well, great player in some respects. So, again, for me, don't expect anything soon. John Maloney asks, do you think Everton are being too cautious in this inflated transfer market? Are they looking for the right players at the right price? No, I don't think there's any cautious... John said cautious, so... I don't think he means this, but other people have suggested, you know, they're a bit worried or the penny pinching. Yeah. I don't think they are. I just think they're trying not to be taken for a ride, which every club does. Yeah, City course. does it. Yeah. Why do you think City has gone over ten million yeah. difference for stones? And Chelsea, Chelsea do it all the time. Two of the wealthiest clubs in Europe. When other clubs know you've got money above and beyond the broadcast, they do try and have you off a bit. Mm-hmm. You know, which is fine. That's yeah. what we've done to other clubs in yeah. the past. Just remember what City played for Rodwell and so yeah, on exactly, and so forth. Yeah. So it's just one of those things. Yeah. Sean Welsh asks, do you think the lack of activity indicates that we have already missed out on our main targets? What's your it's interesting. I think, I think Everton have put their hands in so many prizes if they can, and yet we're in for Witzel, yet we're in for Koulibaly, but I think realistically they may not get them, but they're just out there as you've just touched on, Greg. I think the main... I think they, they want the likes of Boney, Premier League proven players... Which yeah. indicates to me why he's bought, why he wants Ashley Williams, why he's got yeah, the lad yeah, from yeah. Aston Villa. I think it'll be more Premier League proven players that Everton will be going for instead of the likes of Vitzel. I, yeah, I have to say as well, I wasn't when you said when you were talking about potential big names and you said Boney. I'm not saying that's not a big name, and it might be in this window that we have to realise that if a cooler Bally or a Vitzel doesn't happen, um, I think Boney's a big signer for Everton, Greg. It might be that, as you say. The, the marquee, big, big names might not happen this window. It might be January. It might mm. be next summer. It might be, like you say, they have to bring in good names. Ashley Williams would be a great signing. Yeah. A brilliant signing. Mm. Proven and tested. Boney, if you're getting the same player that left Swansea, or, or that played for Swansea, absolutely tremendous mm. goal scorer. Have him all day over Kone. You know, it's question marks over what's happened to him while he's been a, at the Etihad, but, you know, it, it depends. Um, maybe that's what we'll have, what, what we'll have to settle for. Yeah. Uh, just another quick one there. Adrian Clark asks, "Will we break our transfer record this summer?" I personally think we will. I, I think it'll be late on in the window, but I think we will. And it could be bony for me. I think Everton will pay more than the twenty-eight million that they paid for Romelu Lukaku. Oh, you think it might be a case of they try and buy bony regardless what happens? To yeah, Stones? yeah. I think Everton will just take the money straight and cash off John Stones, and then go out and go and get bony separate. 
But sorry, so if Stones were to stay, you don't think they'd go and try and buy Boney anyway? No, I think it will. I think they'll go you for Boney either way. You think he'll be part of a, inevitably part of that transfer? Yeah, whether, yeah, whether it's an actual part of the deal or they or just the, yeah. bank the money and then go and buy. I think regardless of what happens with John Stones, I think they will target Wilfred Boney. I think they want Premier League proven. I think that's what Everton needs. Someone who can get them. Don't forget, we had Romelu Lukaku last season. One striker, Kone, a bit part player, and they asked a waste of time. So Everton, he realizes Ronald Koeman, and he's, you've seen him more than more than me, Greg, this pre-season. What kind? Of, you, you sat right behind him in in the press box at Old Trafford on Wednesday. He was very agitated. Was he? Doesn't he? look happy. He doesn't look. Look, a perfectionist in many ways is never happy, and you know he's got very high standards, and he clearly is a coach. Demonstrative demands top performances, brilliant, exactly what we want to raise that level of quality. It doesn't look happy. Wednesday night, I'm not just picking on De La Feu, he wasn't the only one to have a stinker. He was awful. He, almost every time he got the ball, he gave it away. Cumin was livid. Literally, his body language, if you'd have seen, if De La Feu had bothered to look over hmm. his left shoulder to dug out, he wouldn't have done it again. Cumin was yeah. very clear, very frustrated. And like I say, it wasn't just Jerry. Um, he, he looks to me, and Phil wrote a, a piece which was a, very interesting Wednesday night, that he's finding maybe more faults with the squad as the summer ticks on rather than positives. Do you think he's underestimated the job he's got? Possibly, quite possibly. Because we've heard murmurs that he's come in and he's seen the teams just totally unbalanced, isn't he, when you're coming in? You're looking at I it. think he's probably. He, he yeah. hasn't got a proper number one, he's got no cover for right back. He's got quite a lot of left-backs, he's got loads of right-wingers, he's got loads of central midfielders, but not one can He's attack. got an injured captain. He's got no left-wingers. Yeah. I think one it's been striker. a bit of an eye-opener. Didn't you think he looked at this before he took the job on? Well, he will have done, but I think a lot of which, it... Which, sorry, Greg, which touches on Nick Grounds, who's come out with a great question, which leads me to ask the question, it's not just Koeman that's obviously picking these signings. Why, when we knew Howard was off, um, Tim Howard was back off in March... Everyone knew we needed a goalkeeper in March. Why have we not seen that recognised number one and possibly arrived with eight days? Well, go? look, and this isn't just a Ronald Koeman thing. The club have known since March Tim Howard's a gunner. Why haven't they done something about it? Under Roberto Martinez, the 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 method of sourcing recruitment, if you like, of new players, very much fell on two men: Kevin Reeves, chief scout, head of recruitment, if you like, and Martinez. They they very much didn't. You know, outsourced that. There was no committee. Rightly or wrongly at times, there was no other opinion sought to a large extent. It was just them two. And I have to say, that is, you know, a noticeable flaw in, in what they've done there. They knew Howard was going to go. Where was the shortlist? However, the thing is, they never got the chance to chase it. They might have had a shortlist. Obviously, events took over mm. and had their own agenda. They were gone. And uh, the new guy came in, didn't he? So, yeah. in a way, that was a little bit of um, circumstances dictated that. But then there's, pe- pe- there's still people at the club who were, still, who were there previously. I think the problem was Martinez had sole control. That's why we've had to prioritise a director of football with the idea that he'll be at the club, no matter if Koeman is or isn't, and the next manager, and so on and so forth. Yeah. There'll be that continuity. So, that, as Phil wrote earlier in the summer, yeah. when you lose a manager, and these days, more than ever, they're, you know, they're not at clubs as long as they, they once were. 11 years for Moyes, think of the past, yeah. maybe. That director of football is your continuity, and he's got the scouting links and the consistency 
that you'll be able to line up deals like Walsh did successfully at Leicester well in advance. See Michael Thomas and Rob Vera there ask basically the same question regarding to the goalkeeper situation. I think a lot of Everton fans at the moment, you can sort of see where they're coming from. The, they don't want to hit that panic button yet because when you're seeing what they've been through over the last 20 years with so many false promises and false zones, so to speak, but we're getting to eight days, and I remember mentioning it a couple of weeks ago, Greg, we're getting to eight days before the Premier League kicks off. We haven't got our recognised number one, and it's frustrating, isn't it? And yeah. for me, I think that's where you've got to start. And you can see where Ronald Koeman's coming from. He's bought the midfielder with the most interceptions. Only N'Golo Kante has got more than him. So obviously you can see where he's coming from in that extent. He's buying Ashley Williams, whose stats speak for themselves in regards to defending you're looking at that. So I'm open next. He's obviously going the way back and so he's going to sort himself out to goalkeeper. Do you think he's going to get one in before the window or do you think he's just going to run with Stecklenburg? I, I, I can just see Stecklenburg having mm. to start the season. Shout out there to Rob Vieira as well. He's a good blue from Oklahoma yeah. of all places. Yeah. Um, feels the ups and downs of being an Evertonian every bit as much as, as if he was on a glad street every yeah. week. Cracking lad and uh, glad to have him as a regular listener to the podcast. But yeah, I, I think Stickelenberg will probably, as it looks now, start the season because, you know, there's other priorities, aren't there? He knows he can trust Stickelenberg. He still desperately needs that striker and he needs reinforcements in the midfield and a left winger. Well, whether Ron goes or not, Greg, he, he still, still needs, needs a support striker. striker. Yeah. Kone is all right, but he should have been, at best be a third choice, really. Yeah. I don't forget. Most teams in the Premier no, League, and don't forget one thing that we're not blessed with at the academy level, really. The strikers they've gone and bought in Basala Sambu earlier in the summer from Coventry, and hopefully he'll crack on and become a goal scorer in the future once he's come through a, a couple of years with Unzi and the under 23s and so on and so forth. But they're not blessed with centre forwards at the academy. Another thing to come out from Wednesday night was it was obviously it was trending all over Twitter on Wednesday night was <laughs> the news to come out from the next manager of ours has only got himself an international job at one of the best. They ranked number two in the world, has he? So November, so, November last year, they were number one ranked team in world football. And he's only got to get himself the job to manage them. How on earth has he managed to do that, Greg? By having exceptional communication skills. And I mean, he could tell you it was dark when it was absolute <laughs> cracking the flags in the middle of the daytime. You know, if if you're new to Roberto Martinez, you're blown away by the way he puts himself across, by his charm, if you like, by his positivity by talking a good game. You know, Martin Hayes, uh, speaking to Phil about this on the way to the Old Trafford, you can imagine him in that interview and he will have gone in and blown away that selection board. But surely that build... I believe he's not... And I'm only quoting Christoph, who yeah, yeah. you know very well, Christoph Terre, uh, another another top guy, uh, News Blads, uh, the Belgian newspapers, English-based Premier League correspondent, top lad. And, um, but they are on, they're on to him, aren't they? Yeah, well, they're on, he's been on to him for a while. It's <laughs> phenomenals and so on and so forth. But as he said, two things. He's gone in and he's blown away in the interview. He's ticked all the right boxes. He's talked about how you know he got Lukaku to have the best season of, of his uh, of his career, which you know he sort of did, I guess. Yeah. And um, you know he's gone in there and he's spoken about you know expectation, a special journey, and how they need to learn to all the cliches that you could want. It was it was amazing hearing them crop up. But, interestingly, he's also gone in there and he accepted a bit of a pay cut. He was on three and a half million at Everton. Yeah. Christoph was saying, I heard on Radio Merseyside, um, on, on James Malford's show yesterday, yeah. 850 grand, uh, heavily incentivised. So, you know, bloody, I could make do with that, mate, I'm sure. <laughs> you could. But, gen, you know, generally, relatively speaking, that's a pay cut. So, 
But it still keeps his big profile out, doesn't he? Which, oh, which just is a bit. He, yeah, yeah. Just a bit. What a job. I mean, see, one, it was interesting, sorry, just one thing that he did say in his interview, and the quotes jumped out at me. He said, you know, I, my style is very clear. He said, it's about attacking football and wanting to get on the ball. And uh, so, so, so far, so usual, you know, yeah. same old. And then he said, but ultimately you've got to be able to defend and it's about win and it's about winning. Unbelievable. So, so maybe opposite. maybe he has listened to the criticism. Maybe they will inherit a chastened, matured Martinez who's sucked it in, learnt his lessons from, from what went wrong at Everton. And you know, all credit to him if that's the case. I wish him every luck. I doubt that very much. When you're looking at the, what the Belgium FA must have been sitting there during the Euros. And when Mark Wilmot was in charge and all this attacking threats, hazards and all these plays. I think it was so expansive, were great to watch, and they were, they were blathering teams, wasn't they, in the next minute? They were just conceding far too many goals. So why on earth would you want a manager who's only going to enhance that even more? I just, it beggars belief what that Belgium FA must be looking at. Well, Christoph said, didn't he, again, I'm quoting from, from the BBC Radio Mayor side, chat he did yesterday, it was really good, and he was saying that uh, if there was a feeling that Belgium weren't good enough attacking for the, for the quality of players they've got golden generation that they weren't good enough attacking in the final third and you know at times he didn't get the best out of Lukaku out of Benteke out of Witzel players like certainly out of Eden Hazard um, and you know they got beat by a, a determined exuberant and spirited but functional Welsh team you don't forget England beat so they must have been must have been that good <laughs> in many ways yeah. but no that's but surely to go- tongue in cheek yeah. but I know you know mean. what I mean don't yeah I exactly know what you mean them, them Everton players who were involved in the Belgian camp they're only going to be feeding back to the rest of the Belgian squads what Roberto Martinez is capable of surely well there's a paucity of top candidates for these jobs look England had to go and make you know uh, not controversial but an interesting appointment in Sam Allardyce many yeah. people would argue it, it's not uh, you know, uh, great appointments. Others would say you know, maybe it's a good one in the long term. Who knows? We'll we'll see. I think a lot of people will say, frankly, we're past caring about yeah, England. Yeah. Um, about England football, anyway. But there weren't many top candidates. I believe another one who was on the agenda was Ralph Rangnick, who was someone who was, in, <laughs> was interviewed the for back. the job. Pal <laughs> Ralph was interviewed for the job before Martinez got it. So he must hate Martinez <laughs> twice. He's missed out on jobs. But interestingly. <laughs> He would have had Thierry Henry as his number two, I believe. Wasn't he? Yeah. yeah. So they missed out on that. Yeah. And instead they've got Martinez, Graham Jones, oh. probably probably big Dennis Lawrence. Oh my and Richard God. Evans. So it's gonna be interesting I to think watch. Belgium will struggle to qualify out their group. I'll tell you one thing, I will look with interest, and I do genuinely mean this, I'm not being um, patronising or hypocritical. I do wish him well. You might you might disagree. I disagree. I hope I hope he does well, um, because I- you know, for all he was, he was a good amb- ambassador for Everton in many ways, and he raised expectations. I just think he lost his way. I don't think he did, Greg. I don't think he did. Okay. I just think for, you look at this in 20, 30 years' time, and you look back at the previous two years that we've just witnessed, and you'll go, what on earth happened in them two years with the talent that you had in that squad? Ross Barkley, John Stones, Romelu Lukaku, Gerard Delafeu, Kevin Morales. All these play- Leighton Baines, I could go on right throughout the team. And, they- and what, you, you, your grandchildren, I'll ask you, what, what went on there? What, why didn't you win anything? What, what happened? And you go, do you know what? The manager is solely responsible for what happened in them two years. He shouldn't have got away with it after the, after the second season. He had one good season, one bad, and the knives are out then. And he, he, last, he, nearly, well, he nearly lasted the full season yeah. again. No, for me, I think it was just a waste of time, and I think he'll, he's only going to be getting fans at the international level. I've heard a lot of blues 
repeat the sentiments. I think um, Keith from the farm was was on there again on on Radio May's side was on mm. talking big blue. Keith Mullins, mm. and he was saying that uh, you know his perception was that the players let Martinez down and stopped playing for him. But you know, as as someone else made the point when we were chatting about it, if he was that good a motivator and that good a man manager, he wouldn't have lost the dressing room. You could look at it as the players stopped playing for him, or he lost the dressing room, which is two sides of the same coin. You lose the dressing room, Greg, by coming in after getting your backside smacked three or four nil, losing super goals in the last minute. And your manager coming out into the press and saying, oh, everything's great, don't worry about it. We've, the lads are brilliant there, they've done well for 89 minutes. So the players are going to go in and go, oh, that, that happy days for me, that'll do me, that's great. I'll go and pick up my wages. So when your manager is backing you up after poor performances, yeah. in any work environment, if you're having a bad day at work and your manager's going in and saying to the, to the top man, yeah. I've got the great staff out there, they're doing a great job, brilliant. Obviously you're going to sit there and... You're not going to perform for well, them, no, what, well, look, in one sense it'll engender loyalty, but if you do it to an incredulous point, which is what I felt Martinez did, it becomes a bit of a joke, and it gets to a point where you need... You've got to laugh and stuff. Top professionals there, need to be felt like they're, they're being told, and they mm. need a manager who'll crack down when necessary, and he'll demand the very best, and I think that's what we've got now in Cumin. So on a positive note, you know, all right, good luck to Belgium, Crazy appointments in many ways, mm. but fair play to them. They've made a. They certainly surprised world football. Put yeah, it that way. Definitely. Uh, we're we're obviously more bothered about Everton, and I think we've got the right man in, in Ronald Koeman. And definitely. let's hope he can get in those players that he needs. Well, all right. Me and Tony will be at Goodison on Saturday. He'll be with the fan cam. So if you're in and around Goodison Park afterwards, and you want to give your opinion on the game. Look out for a Dan and Gibson lookalike bouncing <laughs> round count Goodison Road. I said County Road, <laughs> maybe afterwards. Yeah. Um, thanks for listening, and we will uh, be back hopefully with a slightly bigger squad next week.